Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the convergence of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And 2022, boy, it was a big year. It was a year of a lot of news. It's also the first year that I hosted this thing, produced this thing, and even locked up the place. It was all on me for my first full year. I can tell you, it's a lot of work, but it was worth it. I've enjoyed doing the Transporter Room. I look forward to more in 2023. But these next two podcasts are going to look back at what has been a wild and newsworthy 2022. This week, we're going to look at what was one of the biggest stories, not just in terms of LGBTQ inclusion in sports, but in all of sports this year. And then next week, we're going to reveal who made the 2022 All-Carly team. The shows I liked, the people I enjoyed as part of the podcast that I enjoy doing. But this week, we're going to take a look at what was perhaps one of the biggest stories in all of sports this year. The story is circulating about Leah Thomas. Leah has not rolled back what she gained in male puberty. I didn't like the fact that she was the target of this. It was a lot of right-wing news outlets that were covering Leah. At the University of Pennsylvania right now, here's what's happening. There is a guy destroying uh, the girls' uh, race times, their records. Of course, there's tons of hate and very cruel commentary online, and um, and I know that she's uh, she's not reading it. For, for Leah, it's purely been a question of can I be allowed to do what I love doing while still being who I truly am. It's the final in the women's 500-yard freestyle. The three-time Ivy League champion Leah Thomas was the top qualifier in the prelims. And you can see and feel the tension in this building. Wyatt there in second, and Brooke Forty surging up in lane number seven as Thomas starts to inch it out a bit. Coming up on 100 yards to go, and Thomas making a move here to pull ahead. Leah Thomas in the prelims, a little bit faster every single lap. Here at the end of this race, Thomas starting to pull away. At the balance, Leah Thomas moving away from Emma Wyatt, Brooke Forty into third. Leah Thomas pulling away over the final 150 meters. Had to work for it. She was pushed over the first 350 meters. Thomas wins the NCAA championship. I I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for this meet. I was just happy to be here trying to race and compete as best as I could. When it comes to big events in sports, not too many people look at swimming in an average year unless it's an Olympic year. 2022 wasn't an Olympic year, but one of the biggest stories in sports took place in the pool. And no, it didn't involve someone at Stanford in the Pac-12 or at the growing powers such as Florida and Alabama or Tennessee in the SEC. Nor was it more was this person from perennial powers like Michigan and Ohio State in the Big Ten. Would you believe that the person at the center 
of controversy and story in collegiate swimming didn't go to the University of Virginia, the team which has dominated NCAA women's swimming, especially in the last couple of years. Instead, swimmer we're talking about, and whom many people were talking about this year, was from the Ivy League, from the University of Pennsylvania. Her name? Leah Thomas. She was the name that was starting to grow on everyone's lips at this time last year. It was early December 2021 when she broke into the consciousness of the nation's swim fans. At an obscure invitational meet involving 10 teams of differing levels in the collegiate sport at the University of Akron in Ohio, Leah put up fastest time in the country in the 200-yard freestyle, the fastest time in the country in the 500-yard freestyle, and among the fastest times in the 1650. Two of her efforts automatically qualified her for the NCAA championships that coming March. But that was only the beginning of what would be a long and interesting character study in the things we think and the things we think we think about sports and inclusion. Fast forward to January 2022. We had an NFL playoff grid. Georgia was on its way to the national championship in college football. Some Amy Schneider person was owning Jeopardy. And Leah Thomas, in the space of a month, was perhaps the biggest topic in sports and was a topic of discussion here in the transporter room. January 12th, heading into that show, there were already the Prophets and the Pundits, the Tucker Carlsons, the Outkicks, the Breitbarts, who were raising much hay. There was the Daily Mail in the UK who sent a photographer over to take spy photos of the Penn Swim team as they were doing some post-Christmas training in Florida. And that drew the ire of a friend of the show. That's coming in a minute. But on January, but as of January 12th, even with all the vitriol, nothing was said from the NCAA, nor from the Ivy League, and not even a word coming in support from the University of Pennsylvania. At least not from its administration. But from a group of Penn Law School students, there was quite an uproar. And one person at the center of it was a former golfer turned turned soon-to-be lawyer named Maya Reddy. Here's what she had to say. How much did just just the tem- the tone and the temper temperance of what you were seeing in regards and what you were reading in regards to Leah affect that? Because I asked this because of what really upset me, and I mentioned this earlier in the intro to the show, was the spy photos from the Daily Mail. Team goes oh, I down to Florida. Saw those. Yeah, when the team went down to Florida for like you know Christmas break, get o- get off the campus, workouts down there, and you had somebody with a camera and a very long lens taking like spy photos. Of the women's swim team in swimsuits. It, frankly, uh, to the Daily Mail again, that was creepy. It looked creepy. 
I feel like the Daily Mail just consistently outdoes itself with horrible. How low can you go? Yeah, like how low can you go? But in a sense, Uh, like you said, you talk about, I want to talk about that as as a student at the university. Hashtag pen cheats. Just gut reaction to that. Oh, it's bullshit. Like, there's no, no, that's, I, I mean, I was pissed because it's like, you know, I, I was pissed. I, I don't know how, like, I'm so angry every time I see, um, like you were saying, for a really long time, it was a lot of um, right-wing news outlets that were covering Leah um, in vitriolic ways um and that pissed me off because it was just like dude leah just wants to swim and now all of a sudden just by virtue of being a trans person she's being thrust into this very the spotlight that i I, i'm sure she may have not asked to be in especially one that's so dominated by um transphobia and hate um and for me it's just like no like what the fuck that's like not okay a few days after Maya Reddy's appearance here at the transporter room the NCAA finally said something the NCAA announced that they were changing their transgender eligibility requirements in an unprecedented move during the season, the then 11-year-old policy would be replaced by a new policy where the NCAA would follow the guidelines from the governing bodies of each of the individual sports. This was an interesting conundrum because at that point, neither USA Swimming nor the International Swim Federation, the world governing body, had a replacement for their current policies on transgender inclusion on the books as of yet. They were still going by what was then the previous IOC policy, which had been replaced in November by the IOC with what we now know as the framework for fairness. So now, Leah Thomas was in quite a limbo. Would she be able to swim or not? And the debate continued to grow, even as the season continued, a season which included a homestand at Penn. In fact, senior day for the swim team. And Leah Thomas being the swimmer, being a swimmer, it'd be the last appearance for her at Schnurr Pool on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania. And in the 100-yard freestyle, she ran into Another athlete who just happened to be trans, a young man from Yale named Isaac Hennig. The two went head-to-head, and the result, Hennig got the win. Thomas got sixth. And the Twitter sphere and the interwebs were buzzing all about it, including certain online swim magazines, and certain people who claim to be feminists who support women's sports. The barbs and the vitriol were flying. 
And one person, also in collegiate swimming, took some exception to it. It was a young man who's a diver at Oberlin College by way of Australia named Lucas Draper. Lucas wrote an op-ed for one of the online swim magazines. I caught wind of it, got in touch with Lucas, and I beamed him up to the transporter room on January 26th. And he had a lot to say. I didn't like the fact that she was the target of this. I still don't like the fact that she is the target of this. Yes, she is the reason that people and her performance and her ability and her skill is what has sort of brought her into the limelight. But I don't like the fact that the issue has become about Leah Thomas because it's not about Leah Thomas. It's about the rules. But yet people keep making it about Leah. Was there ever a point as you were draft the, drafting this where you thought, maybe I shouldn't even step into this thing? So many times. So many times. I was like, I'm going to end up getting a lot of hate for this. And if you look at the comments of the article, there, there is a fair amount of hate in there. And there's some very interesting comments. But the one thing that I've been reminding myself of through this whole thing and of through people, like there was a response written about it um that was published in in swimming world one place where you got a big comment in fact a page long comment was the response to you by former canadian olympian and olympic coach and i'll say it raging transphobe linda blade whose title was defense of leah thomas rang hollow and miss point of controversy and that was probably the tamest thing that was said Lucas Draper, as a female athlete who self-identifies as a man. Nice transphobia there, Coach Blade. Right from the jump. First off, did you read all of it? And what was it like just hearing and reading that sentence? I did. I did read it. Um, and, and, and that stung. Um, I'm not going to lie. And that article kind of i'm not an adult yet really i mean i am legally i'm an adult i'm only 21 that that wasn't great to read for my mental health if you had a chance to talk to leah right now athlete to athlete what message would you give her what would you say if i get to see her in person i just want to give her a hug because. I feel like she could probably use a hug right now. But that was kind of the point of my article, was to let her know that there are people out here who don't blame her and are not out to get her. A few days before my interview with Draper, I had the opportunity to see Leah Thomas swim. It was during a dual meet between Penn and Harvard at Harvard. She had a good day that day. Got two individual wins, was part of a winning relay team as well. In the background of all of this were the deliberations. First, the new NCAA rules. Then the announcement in early February that USA Swimming would change their rules, which called for a swimmer to have to meet a, test, a serum testosterone level over a 36-month period. Such a rule, if implemented, 
would effectively take Leah Thomas out of the NCAA championships, possibly even the Ivy League championship. The NCAA was pondering their decisions as the calendar turned into February and the Ivy League championships were coming in the middle of that month. A lot of voices were starting to ring in in the days leading up to it. We had one of the most prominent here on February 16th. University of Colorado professor Roger Pelkey Jr., who's an expert in the study of sports governance, took a deep dive into both the NCAA and IOC frameworks and looked at where they could work and what the sore spots would be. I mean, this is the unfortunate part of this issue is that it's not just a sport issue. It's a societal issue. It's a cultural issue. It's a, it's a political issue. And, and you know, the reality is elite sport trying to make these decisions sits in the context of debates around the world, um, really, um, but also, you know, here in the United States over um, tra- not just trans athletes, but the legitimacy, legitimacy of trans individuals at all. So, so for me, um, the biggest obstacle is that there are many people who don't see this as, oh, it's a sport regulatory issue. They say, oh, here's a prominent issue where we can have our political fight and get a lot of attention because it's a, it's a convenient wage issue. Um, it divides Americans. So, so I think that the biggest obstacle to having a reasoned discussion of this is just the, the, the politics in which it sits. Pelkey's comments came on the same day that the Ivy League championships began. And it looked like all sides were seeing reason. The Ivy League a few days before had made their statement that they supported Thomas and that Leah Thomas is eligible to compete for the conference championship and she would be allowed to. And she showed out. Making the final turn here is Leah Thomas And she continues to draw out distance between herself and Samantha Shelton into the final half length. Leah Thomas will capture the win in the 200-yard freestyle with a time of 143.12 seconds. And a certain Isaac Hennig, remember him? He showed out too. Isaac Hennig had such a great swim last night in the medley relay victory for Yale. And Jim Henry said... Gave him a lot of confidence in himself for what he threw down this morning. He's currently neck and neck with Leah Thomas in the middle of the pool as they go into the final turn. Thomas made up some ground after Hennig had the early lead. Hennig is still staying stroke for stroke. Thomas edging ahead there in lane five. Leah Thomas to the wall first at 47.63 seconds. And that is a new Ivy League meet record. Leah Thomas erases Hennig's record from earlier this morning. Isaac Hennig settles for second place with a time that was nearly as good as he swam in prelims, just two hundredths off that outstanding pace. Hennig was an interesting story. You see, Hennig is a transgender man. He came out in the middle of 2021. In fact, had affirming surgery last spring. However, he wanted to stay on the women's swim team. He hadn't started 
any hormone replacement therapy. If he had, by NCAA rules, he couldn't continue to compete. But because he hadn't, he could stay on the women's team if he so chose. And he wanted to stay on the women's team for a special purpose. The team at Yale had supported him through thick and thin. He figured this would be his final year in a Yale swimming uniform on the women's team. His goal was to help that team do something that they've wanted to do for five years. Win an Ivy League team championship. He fell short of the team goal, but he did get a personal goal. And Isaac Hennig is off to a rapid start. Venema right there. They share the same lane divider. It will be Isaac Hennig for the first time, an individual Ivy League champion at a time of 21.93 seconds. Poolside, there was an answer to not just the vitriol against Thomas and some against Hennig just for competing, but also the mounting anti-trans bills, which were pushing through legislatures from Maine to Maui. There was a chorus of trans people and allies and friends who were at Blodgett Pool on the campus of Harvard that week to show their support. One of those who was there was Alejandra Caraballo. She is the head of the Cyber Law Project at Harvard Law School. She's a practicing attorney and she's a transgender woman. And she was there with trans flag in tow, proudly cheering for Leah Thomas and for Isaac Hennig. And she talked about how it felt when we beamed her up the following week. Nobody's really paying attention that much to Ivy League swimming. And so for this to have this much attention is just kind of crazy. So, you know, I decided I wanted to go and I was not just going to go. I was going to bring my biggest, the biggest pride flag I could get, which is like my big three by five foot pride flag. Now, did you get a picture of that? Do we get, is there any pictures of you holding that flag? I want to show that. Yes. So I, I can get one. Uh, my friend took one of me and I, a few other people took pictures of me. I believe a few photojournalists. I haven't been able to find them online yet, but I, I know there's, there's probably pictures of me from that meet with, with the flag. Because no, that, I mean, that's the first thing when you were like, we had talked last week and you had talked about, you were going to have the biggest pride flag there. So now that night, now that night session, I mean, right out of the, you had Leah 200 yard freestyle. Yeah. So uh, in the order of the events, it was Isaac went first. I mean, they don't compete in every every uh event there's several events going on and the first one that that i saw was isaac um i mean i was there when they were warming up so i got to see like you know the, and i barely saw leah and uh, like here's the thing that i think also the media also just kind of distorts in a way with like the close-up pictures of leah and the way they like constantly use pictures of her from years ago or just a single picture from her professional without page. no without her consent yeah, let, exactly. let, let's make sure we call that. Yeah, exactly. And um, when I was like looking to like trying to find her in the crowd or like among all the swimmers, you couldn't really pick her out. Like she just looked like every other swimmer. Um, and I, I say this as a trans person who I'm like, 
most of the time I, I know when someone else is trans, like it just, it's just, you know, people have gaydar and then, you know, a lot of trans <laughs> people just know when someone else is usually trans and like, I, I couldn't pick her out until like I saw what lane she was in and then I could see the board and that's where she was because she, she looked so similar. And like a lot of the other athletes that she was competing against, like also had very similar body shapes, like very broad shoulders and like narrow hips. And it just, I think it just kind of shows that that's the, the events that she competes in are just the ones that are tailored to that type of body shape regardless. And it doesn't matter, you know, what your sex is or, or your, or your sex assigned at birth. Um, but you know, when I was seeing Isaac there, like Isaac had full support of his teammates, like was just, I mean, I can just see he was laughing, was having a good time, like was just, you know, chilling. And I think at one point he waved at me because I had the giant pride flag. And, um, you know, he's just a lot of trans joy. And that's what I, I really enjoyed seeing about Isaac. And about that, those spy photos I told you about earlier by the Daily Fail. Oh, Ms. Caravello had something to say about that, too. Look at what the Daily Mail has been doing. The, the Daily Mail was sending a reporter to sit in the bushes in Florida to take pictures surreptitiously of college-age women in bathing suits. Pervs. And yes, in any other context, that would have just been creepy, perverted, and sick. But because they're doing it to go after trans bodies, somehow... Like, that's okay? And like, this, no, it's fucking creepy and it's sick. The final tallies for them both. Hennick snagged a conference title in the 50-yard freestyle. Thomas won three individual championships. She was also part of a winning relay and also part of an historic race in the 100-yard freestyle final. It would be the first time that two transgender student-athletes would fight for a conference title anywhere in NCAA competition. The next question in everybody's minds, would they be allowed to compete in Atlanta? The NCAA said yes. When the NCAA decided that they would not adopt the new USA swimming policy. When the final selections and the heat sheets came out on March 2nd, the names Leah Thomas and Isaac Hennig were on them. I'll see you in Atlanta. Thomas made up some ground after Hennig had the early lead. Hennig is still staying stroke for stroke. Thomas edging ahead there in lane five. Leah Thomas to the wall first at 47.63 seconds. At the Ivy League Championships, they went head to head. Two student athletes, both of them transgender. Both of them won league titles. Both of them qualified for the big show. NCAA Division I Nationals. On Thursday, they went on the quest to make even more history. March Madness just doesn't happen on a basketball court. It happens in the swimming pool at Georgia Tech. For the University of Pennsylvania's Leah Thomas and for Yale University's Isaac Hennick, this is a week of history and perhaps one of destiny. Whether they win or not is secondary. The primary thing, they are there. The date, 
March 17th, 2022. The place, the pool at Georgia Tech University. The event, the 500-yard freestyle final. And some of the heavy hitters were all there. There is Emma Wyant, silver medalist at Tokyo in the 400-meter individual medley, trying to help Virginia's quest for another national championship. There's a freshman from Texas named Erica Sullivan, also a medalist at, la at the previous year's Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Japan for Team USA. There was also Stanford's Brooke Forty. Not only was she a medalist at Tokyo the previous year, she was also a two-time NCAA champion in this event. Those who follow college swimming closely said those three were on the short list of favorites, alongside Leah Thomas. This was a moment of truth that turned into a moment of destiny. Leah Thomas pulling away over the final 150 meters. Had to work for it. She was pushed over the first 350 meters. Thomas wins the NCAA championship. Ended up very close for second with Wyatt taking it ahead of a late charge from Erica Sullivan in third. I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for this meet. I was just happy to be here trying to race and compete as best as I could. I try to focus on my swimming, uh, what I need to do to get ready for my races, and just try to block out everything else. It means the world to, to be here, be with two of my best friends and teammates, and be able to compete. Leah Thomas won by 1.75 seconds. Wyatt was second. Sullivan was third. 40 was fourth. She became the second transgender student athlete to win an individual NCAA championship in any division. She joins Franklin Pierce track and field athlete CeCe Telfer with that honor. Telfer won the title in the 400-meter hurdles at the NCAA Division II Outdoor Championships in 2019. Also, Thomas became the first transgender student athlete to win a national championship in NCAA's Division I. Throughout the NCAA championships, protests brewed outside and some of them spilled inside the arena. Mainly those of the anti-trans group Save Women's Sports. Many of their faithful flew out, flew from all over the country to protest mainly Thomas's participation in the event. And they were also joined by another group that flew all the way from the United Kingdom, led by notorious transphobe Kelly J. Keene, also known as Posey Parker. And at one point, Parker and Bess Delzer, then head of Save Women's Sports, got into a notable altercation with a trans journalist who's covering the events. On the basis of the comfort and dignity of girls and women, I'm asking you, telling you, please do not use women's spaces. My it girls, makes them feel uncomfortable. My girls and the other women I am with are very comfortable with me in right. the bathroom. Well, fortunately, I'm not your daughter, and my daughter is also not your daughter. That's right. And she's so she's still, staying uh, 
she would feel very uncomfortable. No, I'm not right. No, you interrupted me. Excuse you me. You I'm not here for a debate, but do you mind? Right. I would like to, I would ask you to please call if you're not. I beg your pardon. Whoa. I'm asking you of a mother, do not use female spaces. And I'm it very makes, uncomfortable. It makes women in class feel You are not. How dare you? I am very... You're not a mother. You your children. You are not a mother, Don. Inside the pool, the successful championships for them both. Thomas couldn't duplicate the national championship feat of the 500-yard in her other events. In the 200-yard freestyle, she finished tied for fifth. In the 100-yard freestyle, she was eighth. Hennig finished fifth in that 100-yard freestyle event, earning All-America honors. For the first time, at the same NCAA championships, you had two transgender student-athletes become All-Americans, and both of them became All-Americans for the first time at the Division I level. The NCAA championships had come and gone, but the discussion continued in the days, weeks, and soon-to-be months ahead. And the conversation started white hot. And it even involved me. No, well, but can I, can I both believe that everything you said is true? And also believe that she has an enormous physical advantage because she was born as a man? Well, first off, let's get that born as a man stuff out of the way. She's a woman. Trans women are women. And I know that you're trying to say man, 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 because that's the playbook, no. Dan. The first part of the playbook is it, say it, that it, transgender it, women aren't women and cisgender women stink at sports. That's what the playbook no. is. Well, no, we're not I've, buying I've, that I've playbook tonight, her. Dan. And that journalist? who was involved in the little dust-up with Kelly J. Keen. She's the, the co-founder of the Transporter Room and my former co-host, Dawn Ennis. And she told us about not only the altercation, but what it meant to be poolside with history unfolding. For the most part, whenever Leah did anything or was her name was said, the sound in the place just sort of dropped. It was sort of like a, a buzz, and then it became silent. That, that almost drop a pin silence that you hear right before the starting um, bell, that is the kind of silence I'm talking about, where you hear people bustling and hustling, and all of a sudden, just goes real quiet. And that happened when Leah was approaching the wall. As she was going for the wall, and she had led all the way through the 500, both in the prelims and in the finals, as she approached the wall, there was a buzz, but then it got quiet. And then when Emma touched the wall for the second place for the runner-up position, then the crowd went wild. The crowd, I have it on video, and I'm sure you saw it on Twitter. The crowd went wild for the second place finisher and for all the other cisgender athletes. Um, when they went to the podium and uh, Leah was named the uh, national champion, again, there were some boos. I got to say, watching her swim, she wasn't dominant, but she was fast. And that's what one of the other uh, swimmers who uh, competed against her said. It's exciting to swim against somebody who likes to go fast. And I just thought it was great to watch her um, be, you know, 
recognized as the champion she is, because not just as a champion of swimming, but as a champion who has withstood so much hate and vitriol. Could you imagine your name becoming a hashtag that people use to say you're a cheater or to boo you? Her mom yeah. is in the stands there. I mean, that, that's the one thing I was thinking about is that her parents child. That's not fair. No, it's not. And I'm in total agreement with you. And one of the things is, is for me, and again, I want to shout out Erica Sullivan, shout out Brooke Forty yeah. for being classy. Shout yeah. out Paige McKenna from Wisconsin, the winner of the 1650. Good quote. For there. also being cut for also for just showing class, no matter how you feel about the issues involved here. You show competitive class, unlike the person who was 17th in the 500, apparently, who wrote a letter saying that I was cheated because Leah was there. And that's not the type of kid I won on any team that I was coaching or any team that I was participating on. And that's the Red Alert Quacks. You know what that means? We have to take a break and give love to the sponsors. When we come back, the Leah Thomas effect and how it affected so much in and out of sports. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This look back at 2022 on the Transporter Room continues. Stay with us. Lucy told me this is the thing in the UK. This person has become an issue in the UK. So I want to drop a name on you right now. Leah Thomas. Yep. Fabulous. You mean to tell me in, in the UK, she's the thing. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. No, the, Leah, Leah, Leah's massive. I mean, to be fair, um, we at trans radio and myself on our, on our Twitter and what have you not, um, I've spent ages fighting people because, because obviously Posey Parker, who's a, a massive Boo. queen of the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boo hiss. I'm surprised that a college swimmer in the United States was in a sense causing a debate over there too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of sort of factors to this. I mean, obviously we're all part of, the Anglosphere, right? So, they, so the English language news is, you know, is we get we see the same thing in Australia and New Zealand where there's you know, big transphobic movements as well. Obviously, they're sharing that English Australia language. Australia trying media. to Scott Morrison trying to get yeah. reelected on the backs of on the corpses of trans folks right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they've not been as successful in New Zealand, thankfully. But the the, I mean, part of it is that. Part of it is it's a media construction you know the, the, the transphobia is oh, and transphobia sells but also that transphobia transphobia related discourse and that transphobia related con, um, controversy drives clicks it drives views it drives listens so media here is very very keen to keep fueling that fire on both sides of the atlantic and both sides of the pacific the debate over inclusion in sport was raging far and wide this is a transporter room special 2022 the year of leah i'm carly chardonnay webb 
as the season changed to spring and the challenge and the calendar changed to April, the debate intensified with Leah Thomas at the center, but but a lot of issues also going in tow. One of the people we talked to in April was Veronica Ivy, two-time Masters track champion, knows what Leah's going through because she's been the target and to some still is the target. Not only for competing as a trans woman, but also being outspoken in her beliefs about inclusion. We beamed her up and she gave us a lot of pieces of her formidable mind. Sit down with Leah because you've been on the back side, you've been on the other side of this. What would you tell her in a sense to heal, to like affect, help affect healing from this? Yeah. So I have actually messaged her um, and I congratulated her. And, um, you know, I think that she's been very smart to almost do no media. There's this sort of thing that once you start doing media, they they don't want to stop and they get their claws into you. And the more visible you are, um, the more opportunities there are for them to spin something, take something out of context or whatever. Um, so I think she's actually been quite smart. Um, I messaged her before the championships and sort of said, Hey, how you doing? And she said, look, I'm just focusing on swimming. I'm like, that's what you should be doing. And it is honestly amazing that she performed as well as she did given the, the circumstances. So as someone with like PTSD that I, that I have, um, I have had people sort of heckle me at races and stuff and, through like therapy, a lot of therapy, we go into races with like plans with how, how are we going to create a situation that is conducive to performance and to mitigate the effects of the bullshit. And um, I, I did some racing a couple weekends ago and like, we had like this whole plan going into it. And then, um, basically I got lucky that there were, there were less than no issues. Like people were just amazing and fantastic. And oh my God, I love Canada. Um, so I think she is doing everything right. Basically. Um, if she chooses to use her platform um i think it would be powerful it is fraught and it is easy to do too much for your own well-being so um i i don't have a ton of advice for her per se because i think she's doing such a good job it's just that if she were to take a different step um, it would just be uh, words of caution from hard-learned lessons. From the organizational standpoint here, where are these sporting governing bodies, be it the NCAA, be it the individual federations, well, what are they missing here? Let's start with the NCAA. Um, they shit the bed this season. So they have had 
a very decent trans policy on the books for a decade. And we are talking approximately 5 million NCAA athletes in that time. And in that time, there has been a single Division II winner, CC Telfer, a single Division I winner in one event, Leah Thomas. But before the championships even, they shit the bed. They got so much public backlash because back when the NCAA first uh, produced their policy, people weren't hating trans athletes the way that they are now. Like it wasn't this political wedge issue bludgeon that it is today. It wasn't this culture war issue. It was still like bathroom bullshit back then. And, and marriage equality was the big issue. So they, they developed this, like at the time uh, the most progressive policy in the world is what the NCAA developed at the time. It was more progressive than the 2015 IOC statement. So it, it, it was good. Um, not perfect good. And then what is the point of having a policy like that when a trans woman finally gets to the door of winning a division one championship and not even dominating, just, just winning, you throw the whole thing out. They threw it all out and said, because of this one person who might win one championship, we're going to throw out everything and throw it to the national organizations and the national federations. Many of them, all they did was adopt things like the NCAA policy. Like they just defer to the NCAA policy. They didn't have their own. And so suddenly the NCAA is like, well, now you all need your own policy and we need to know what it is mid season because of one person. I just, what the shit? It is the most cowardly thing I've ever seen. And I am, I am unbelievably angry and disappointed with the NCAA. They could not have fucked this up more, to be perfectly honest. Remember Representative Byers' prophetic message? Why is this a thing now in the Midwest? I understand why it's a thing for Christy Noem. She's trying to get, she's trying to become president of the United States and run over the corpses of transgender people to do it. But why is this a thing? Well, How I mean, it's become a thing. I've heard the governor of Iowa has aspirations to become president as well. Step on people, crush them, use them as, as a footstool, get yourself higher up. I mean, this is what happens over and over again. It was very true. And one place it was true is in Australia. They had a general election coming on May 21st. And trans inclusion in sport, and even Leah Thomas's name, was a campaign issue for the ruling Liberal Party. A number of candidates ran on anti-trans bias. One of those was a noted turf named Catherine Deves, who was running for a seat in the Australian Parliament from a district outside of Sydney. And she was very prominent for her turf views. One person we talked to about it was one of our favorite Australians, rugby and track athlete Caroline Lee. So it not only comes to Australia, but the American infiltrates a lot of the third world countries and people are dying that are LGBT because these far right wing, can I call them bigots? 
Well, yes, you can. No, no, we no. You can get real here, because I mean, come on. Now. I put it on my. I put it on my Twitter. The liberals, they think yeah. you hate transgender Australians as much as they do. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. And and so basically, they, they've they've transported it here. Um, fortunately for us, we're not dying. Well, not yet. Um, and we're, but they are trying to exclude us from society and from women's sport. And that's right. It is a wider issue than women's sport. It goes right to women's health issues where trans women are, are, are um, cut out. And also trans women um, from health services, you know, you wouldn't be able to go to a uh, homeless shelter or something like that as a woman. You'd have to probably stay with men. I mean, how's that safe, you know, for us? But obviously they don't care about us, you know, just throw us in the rubbish bin. Um, so, yeah, it, it, but this all does come from your country. What exactly is coming from the United States into Australia that's influencing, for example, that's influencing liberal and influencing some members of the Labour Party as well? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, Mark Latham was, was Latham, uh, Mark Latham, the, he's a member, I think he's state member now. He went to the election as a Labour candidate for prime minister, as prime minister, and he tried to propose a bill, um, you know, banning banning um, any visibility for trans kids in um, primary schools. Now, it didn't get through, right? And I, I still don't think a lot of their stuff they're going to get through because there's a lot of um, decent people in this country who won't allow it to. But um, I think they're going to try. And, yes, you're... As I said before, your bigots have transported it here, and they've even met with the Australian Christian Christian lobby and people like that. And it's got to the point where these people, these people um, have met, and there's been fierce resistance to their meeting, and um, they've had to do it in secret because they know they deep down they know it's wrong, and they know it's a flawed ideology. And like my great grandfather um, was Jewish, so you know. Um, so, like, um, if he had have been in that in in Europe in the Second World War, he could have potentially gone to the gas chamber. You know, like, so it's pretty much the same ideology that they used against Jewish people, that they used against African American people. You know, segregation, um, apartheid in South Africa. It's all that sort of stuff. So why, if that's all illegal now, why isn't this? You know, that's. That's what I, I can't understand. And even I took a little bit of a swipe at the transphobes down under. Liberal Party supporter, what's your favorite sport? Football. Snack. Meat Animal. Kangaroos. What's your favorite way of getting us reelected? Transphobia. It's football, meat pies, kangaroos, and transphobia, huh? Right. Well, you sure sound like the Liberal Party to me. We are. Well, you better tell me again, Liberal supporter, because I just might forget. We love football, meat, pies, kangaroos, and transphobia. Football, meat, pies, kangaroos, and transphobia. The final result at the polls, the Liberal Party was beaten. Labor returned to power. Anthony Albanese became the new PM. One of the things on the Labor Party platform that was front and center was LGBTQ rights. Inclusion was also becoming a campaign issue here critical midterm elections coming in the fall and a number of primaries happening in the spring and summer. Even the name Leah Thomas was starting to pop up, especially in the state where her college is, Pennsylvania. 
Trump favorite, U.S. Senate candidate, Mehmet Oz, the noted television doctor, was mentioning Leah by name. Biologic men don't let liberals control the language. Biologic men should not be playing women's sports. I feel so strongly about that, I actually put it in my ad. And I believe across the board, we're missing the point here. Leah Thomas went to my alma mater, Penn. Penn said nothing to protect those poor young women who got up at six in the morning, practiced their whole lives to protect their rights. The NCAA cowardly said nothing. It was the parents of these poor girls who love their daughters more than anything in the world who stood up and said, enough's enough, you're hurting our children. What happened to Title IX support All right. of female athletes? Thank you, Ms. Another person who had something to say about Leah was someone setting their sights even higher. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, on the short list of presidential hopefuls for 2024, threw his hat in the ring by a special proclamation that over that he feels overturns what happened at the NCAA swim championship. Look at what the NCAA has done uh, by allowing basically men to compete in women's athletics. In this case, the swimming. You had the number one woman who finished was from Sarasota, Emin Wyant. She won the silver medal. She's been an absolute superstar her whole career. She trains. I mean, to, to compete at that level is very, very difficult. And you don't just roll out of bed and do it. That takes grit. That takes determination. And she's been an absolute superstar. And she had the fastest time uh, of any woman in college athletics. Now, the NCAA uh, is basically taking efforts to destroy women's athletics. They're trying to undermine the integrity of the competition, and they're crowning somebody else uh, the woman's champion. And we think that's wrong. And so in Florida, I'm going to be uh, later today because this is a Floridian who I think deserves to be recognized. You know, we're going to be doing a proclamation uh, saying uh, that Emma is the best female swimmer in the 500-meter freestyle. Oh, by the way, Governor DeSantis, we've seen him before. Remember. One year ago, at the start of Pride, Governor DeSantis basically flipped the bird to LGBTQ people by signing anti-trans legislation into law on the first day of Pride. And this year he did it again, this time with the don't say gay law. Now, that raised the hackles of at least one Floridian, trans pro golfer Haley Davidson. We beamed her up and she said this. I'm going to give you some gut reaction. Don't say gay. Scream it as loud as you can. It's so much political theater for things that, like, don't, they, they, they don't, like, we're, it's just a political show because there's nothing they actually have to, to better the community. It's like, hey, who can we attack? You know, I, I don't know, like, in regards to that, I don't know if you just saw the, the right-wing media just trying to blame, you know, a trans person for the shooting. Like, it's just, it's so constant, you know, that it's just, it's almost, it's sad as it is, like, the don't say gay stuff. I almost, it's almost like, it's not like it was unexpected. I mean, he's, he's a, it's just, you know, it's, it's sad to say you're almost not shocked when these things happen. Like, as much as you hate to see them, it doesn't surprise you. It's almost like you see them coming. That same weekend, Leah Thomas broke her silence in an interview with ESPN's Katie Barnes. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about you, specifically? Um, 
the, the biggest misconception, I think, is the reason why I transitioned, where, where people will say, oh, she just transitioned, so she would have an advantage, so she could win. I transitioned to be happy, to be true to myself. It was a very difficult time. I was just stuck in this depression, and I struggled with uh, suicidal thoughts. Um, being trans is, is not a choice. I didn't have any other choice because not transitioning was not leading me anywhere. One week later, British cyclist Emily Bridges, who found her hopes for the Commonwealth Games representing her native Wales, going up in smoke after a last-minute decision by cycling's world governing body, which snatched away her eligibility, told her story in an interview with Britain's ITV. The UCI um, vetoed my participation um, under their rules, um, but it's just, it just felt like, it, because it was so last minute, it was just really messed up, and there's just so many oversights, it feel, feels like. It wasn't, why wasn't it checked earlier? How did it make you feel at the time, when you found out for sure that's what was happening? It was incredibly difficult um, because I knew that, that my main goal for the season, the Commonwealth Games, was then out of the question because I couldn't race this event which, and it was unlikely I was going to be able to race any international events during, their, during um, Welsh Cycling's set time frame for this election. Um, so, so the Commonwealth Games are gone um, and I was, I feel a real pride about being Welsh and I really wanted to, to represent my country. Their respective world governing bodies dropped the hammer on each of them as the UCI cemented their policies towards an even lower testosterone limit and a 24 month period before a transgender woman could compete as the woman she is. That effectively banned Emily Bridges from any hope of competition or any chance of possibly the Paris Olympics in 2024. The same happened for Thomas, thanks to FINA, swimming's world governing body. A lower testosterone limit and a mandate that a potential competitor would have to transition by age 12 to be eligible to take a chance at a world or Olympic championship. Such a ruling effectively banned Leah Thomas from any future of elite competition, at least for the time being. A few days after those rulings came out, an even bigger ruling came from the United States Supreme Court. The decision of the High Court in Dobbs versus Jackson effectively overturned Roe v. Wade, and with it, the 50-year policy that legalized abortion in the United States everywhere. Now, abortion rights and reproductive health will come down to a hodgepodge grab bag of individual states. And a group of them immediately enacted what were known as trigger laws, laws that would ban abortion the second Roe v. Wade was overturned. Two days after that, a conference opened in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Independent Council of Women's Sports opened their conference. The goal of this conference essentially was to quote-unquote protect women's sports. And the reality, the goal of the conference, 
was to take a shot at transgender people who want to play in the games. It was a hodgepodge of groups that claimed to be feminist, others that claimed to want to preserve and protect and strengthen women's sports, such as the Women's Sports Policy Working Group, led by three-time Olympic gold medalist Nancy Hogshead Makar, and also flanked by tennis legend Martina Navratilova. People who had claimed to be feminists were all of a sudden working hand-in-hand with groups such as the Concerned Women's Forum and the Alliance Defending Freedom. One of the images of that conference was Nancy Hogshead Makar sitting simpatico for Christiana Keeper, one of the lead attorneys for the ADF and the head attorney in their continuing case against two transgender high school students in the state of Connecticut. Students that were demeaned by every way, shape, and form in briefs and in PR by the ADF for three years. The gospel of this conference, purely fire and brimstone. I watched my daughter and other female collegiate swimmers face Leah Thomas, the first male swimmer in women's NCAA swimming. But this progress is continuously being threatened by those who are putting wokeness above what is right and fair to biological female athletes. But the reality is, you know, gay and lesbian has nothing to do with gender identity. There's not a single transphobic person here. In fact, we were instructed by the federal court to refer to these males as, quote, transgender females. I'm not accusing any trans women of cheating, but what about the men that may want to cheat? An immediate response came on this forum from Dr. Juniper Simonis, who's a biologist and a three-time roller derby world champion. The outside of the competition, right, like Leah's getting harassed and getting perved on, and right, like it's it's one thing, and it's a horrible thing, but it's one thing to deal with the things that you have to deal with when you're competing, right? But, like, everybody else goes away from this. Like, everybody else puts this down. Like, but it's the life that you live, right? Like, you go on from, like, the competition and you get back to having to deal with this every day at the gym. Having to deal with this every day in your life. Having people call you out all the time for things that they don't understand and are you know, scared of or confused by or whatever, right? And it's all of these things. It's not just what goes on on the, on the track, on the pitch, in the pool. Um, and, you know, as much as I have been misgendered, dead named, et cetera, on the track in competition, Three or four times as many times I have been accosted verbally or physically for using a restroom at an event hmm? by event staff at an after party by other athletes at after parties by random people at other events. And so when we talk about the fairness 
or whatever of being a trans athlete, the weight that you carry, you carry off. You carry off, off the field, off the competition. And it's the same whenever you're dealing with that kind of barrier that is not just in sports, but is also cuts outside of cuts outside of sports into society. From July forward, the effect was spreading far and wide. With the FINA and UCI policies and others set to follow suit. In July, both codes of rugby in a rugby hotspot, England, effectively banned trans women. Former English rugby international turned successful coach Sasha Atchison didn't take the news lying down. We beamed her up to the transporter room in July, and she had some pointed words to her sports governing bodies about inclusion. These trans women were playing in the community game, and the community game wasn't consulted. I've got a real problem with that. Like these these trans women wouldn't, from literally hearing their stories and speaking with them, they wouldn't want to put anyone in danger's way. That's not why they joined women's sport. So if they thought that was even a possibility, they would actually remove themselves. They've all said that. So this whole fundamental idea and this whole collective, like. What's happened is they've asked some of the elite sports people what their perceptions are, apparently. That's what I've now read. But actually, it doesn't affect the elite. And even if it did, like you're asking someone who are ranked the best in the world in their positions, are you prepared to let someone who could potentially come in and take your spot? Like, what an awful question to be asked. Like, what are you going to say? Well, that in itself... How much, as a player, how unbased is that fear? I don't know. I think it's really difficult when you play elite sport. Really difficult. Because you have this thing between fair, like fairness in sport, which of course exists. Of course, that's what we're all driven by, I'd like to think. But then also you have this drive in wanting to be seen as and be the best that you can be and one of the best in the world like you wouldn't put yourself through what you have to put yourself through in an elite setting especially as a woman where generally speaking most people are not professionals they have to still have jobs juggle all these things they have to put having kids on the back burner they have to go through all these traumas with their body they have to also figure out how to train around their period cycles and everything else that comes with being elite sportswoman like you don't put yourself through all of that to then give access for someone to take your spot. So I totally get that. But equally, we're supposed to be pioneers and role models of the game, which should be inspiring the next generation, just as the previous generation inspired us. And even though I don't play now because of injury, I hope that I've done that for somebody else to help them pave the way. And then if someone ever took my spot, I would always congratulate them and always say well done to them. But of course, intrinsically and internally, I'd be like, right, what part of my game am I doing wrong? And there were many different things that actually at very different times in my life, I knew that they were the issues or whatever. 
that I was like, right, I need to give that my full attention to now overcome that. So then actually I can be ranked out and out best and not sub. You, you can't raise yourself higher by standing on other people. And I think that's the wrong, that's the attitudes that's starting to creep in to sports and into politics, especially is people are treading on other people to, tr to raise themselves higher. Like just, just be the person that you want to be and be the best version of that. And if it's enough, then it's enough. The effect seeped into a number of sports as more and more sports were racing to change policies in what seemed to be a rush to change policies. For example, British triathlon made their policy change, which effectively said that for tramp, for anyone except cisgender people, they would have to register all as men, whether they identify as transgender men, transgender women, or non-binary competitors. FINA also said that there would be an open category bill, but they were vague as to what that meant. There was even an outcry when a trans woman won a snooker tournament. And then there was disc golf. Natalie Ryan was having a good second half of her season with two tournament wins in the space of three months, including a thrilling victory in September against the tour's reigning champion who had won 11 tournaments that year and by the way was a cisgender woman in response to ryan's wins a huge outcry including outcry from the members of the newly formed icons coalition led to disc golf making changes in late november changes that would effectively ban natalie ryan from future play is the woman she is. And along the way, there was a case that we talked about in October. A case of an obscure high school volleyball game in North Carolina. A highly skilled player struck a perfect kill shot, and it hit a lesser scale player in the other team in the face. The player was injured on the play. No one knew the identity of these girls, but immediately a rumor went out. The girl who made that spike was a transgender girl. That is something that hasn't been confirmed by the school district in the town, Highlands, North Carolina, has not been confirmed by the high school, the school district, or by North Carolina's High School Athletics Association. None of those have been confirmed, and those identities have not been revealed. However, Certain media sources, mainly a media source based in, based near the area, a television station that's owned by the well-known pro-right-wing Sinclair Broadcasting Group, said that this girl is transgender. A local journalist named Brittany Lofthouse wasn't buying it. And she didn't take any of those sites, whether the school board or the clickbait sites as face value. She asked the questions and dug in. And she came here to the transporter room to tell her side of what she found. None of the, the follow-ups from anybody who, who reported it or did anything, did they reference the Southern Scoop? Did they come back to me or did they come back to Southern Scoop or anything that I reported? Um, but there, nobody else wrote about it or reported about it, and they wouldn't have, have had any knowledge that it occurred if it wasn't for, for my story initially. But a month later, everyone else started to report it. And then people who read those 
accounts a month later, then found the Southern Scoop article from a month prior and had comment after comment on my website about um, leftist media or this is why you can never trust the media or you're pushing your woke leftist agenda. Like someone actually said that. I don't even know what a woke agenda is. I don't have any idea. And, um, and, and I kept telling people like you, you need to understand that this article was written a month ago. So when this article was written, Cherokee County, like nobody in Cherokee County was giving comments. Nobody, the school board did not return phone calls, not just for me, but other local media outlets at that time. They weren't, they weren't answering emails. They weren't answering phone calls. They were quiet on it. It wasn't until Education Alliance contacted them did they comment on anybody did they comment for anybody and when they did that that's when the article kind of went went from there to other to other news outlets that referenced that first article um but other than that the only thing i had from cherokee county was from like a spokesperson who said it was due to safety concerns i asked follow up i said i mean even macon county said they didn't have an injury report. They weren't made aware that there was any serious injury at any game. They um, they had no knowledge of any of that. I mean, they knew there was an injury, but they had no knowledge of the severity or that it was even being discussed, that there was concern. It was They were totally blindsided. Um, I talked to, to the Cherokee County representatives. I tried to follow up with questions to ask, is the player okay? Is Was there was there was there a malicious intent because the only thing at that point we knew was that it was that it was due to an injury and safety concerns they kept saying safety concerns um at what safety concerns and nobody could answer that specifically um and so that's when that original article was written that was what i had to go by and so now everything else that has come out or anything even back then nobody would even say we think a player was transgender that like even cherokee wouldn't say that of course they wouldn't say that that would be i mean that'd be a federal lawsuit for discrimination if you say you pulled a team i asked the north carolina high school athletic association i talked to to um the commissioner of that i said Have, are you aware that there's this issue between these two schools and they said no we've not been notified of any injuries we've not been notified of any concerns um we don't we didn't know that they had forfeited those games i mean they don't we don't make those decisions they make it on the school level but that no we have no information about any of that um so a month before it became national news i wrote everything that i possibly could at the time and um for some reason that was that turned into me trying to hide something that still has to this day hasn't been confirmed or validated or proven the amount of negative or the amount of of questioning whether or not I can I can I think someone told me I need to go to journalism school like uh, like that was one of the comments that some fake Facebook that was created to troll me about this was um, I think that it's not going to change anything that I do other than to ensure that I continue to do it because it needs to be done every time I read an article that calls that player transgender affirmatively not allegedly transgendered not rumors transgendered just says a trans even like a transgender player or even a, a player that who is biologically male because I keep reading that every time I read that it reminds me why I do what I do because there isn't there isn't it you cannot accurately and factually 
say that. You just cannot. It does not matter how many times you've read it. It does not matter if you send me a link to Fox News or MSN or the New York Post, who are all quoting the origin story, which goes back to the Education First Alliance, which is a far-right uh, blog or, or group or organization. It doesn't. It doesn't matter where what what your how many you quote say. Well, this this newspaper says it's transgender. This person says it's a biological male. This one says, and that's great. But can any of them tell you where, how they know that, where they know that, or confirm that they know that? They don't. They just say it. I can tell you the sky is blue all day long. All, I can look at it and tell you it's blue all day long. But if somebody says that it's red, does that make them right? It, just because they say it, it doesn't mean it's true, and it just doesn't. And that, that holds true for journalism. It holds true for, for any, any sort of reporting. And they, it just, there's, no, there's no way that anybody can say that. One week later, being interviewed for a documentary on her and getting coffee afterward, Alana McLaughlin, noted MMA fighter and friend of the podcast, had this to say about all these situations that stem back to the vitriol surrounding Leah Thomas. What's your thoughts overall on the fact that Leah Thomas is still a thing? Um, I mean, it's... What, what is there to say? It's unfair. It's shitty. It's scapegoating. And I mean, that, that's what they do with trans women in sports. We're their next big boogeyman. Uh, they lost the fight for marriage equality, so they shifted their focus to us because they know we don't have the support that, uh, that gay marriage did. And then, of course, once they're able to take us down, they'll, you know, gay marriage will be right back in their sights. We just saw Roe versus Wade fall, and that was settled law since the 70s. Uh, and here we are. Here, here we are. And so. now they're they're already talking about going after Obergefell. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that, that's what I'm saying. It's it, it is supremely frustrating. Um, yeah, we uh, we do whatever we can. We fight however we can to uh, to maintain something. Full, full disclosure: I went on a Leah Thomas rant in that interview. Mm -hmm. I went on a rant. I, I, I have sharp ears. I <laughs> went on trans woman to trans woman. Do you ever get tired? I'm always tired. I'm always fucking tired. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not kidding. Trans woman to trans woman, I'm, I'm a quarter hour past tired yeah. of all of, of this. I'm tired of the stuff of the guff you get. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think uh, the, the only thing I can say in response to that is anger is more useful than despair. And with the elections looming, there's the person who made a name for herself in all this. Back in March, Thomas tied for fifth place in the 200-yard freestyle. The person she tied with, University of Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines. Now, there's been a number of differing stories about what happened, but the idea is there can be ties in NCAA swimming. And in the event of the tie, officials come to some way of making the decision of who gets to take home the trophy there and who gets to mail it. You see, they only make a trophy for each place. Now, something that has to be told, the trophies are the exact same height and design whether you win a national championship or you finished eighth. They're all the same. It was decided by the officials that the fifth place trophy at the venue would go to Leah Thomas. Riley Gaines would hold the sixth sixth place trophy for the grip and grin photo 
on the podium, but will be mailed the trophy with the rightful place on it within a few days. Now, Riley pretty much got riled up and made a little bit of a sting. Some would say a tantrum, if you will. But from that tantrum, Riley Gaines made a nice little cottage industry for herself. She was the darling of right-wing pundits, and she was the darling of Transphobapalooza, the Icons Conference, back in Las Vegas, where she even got a speaking slot there. In regards to the locker room situation, it is now sexual assault to refer to a transgender swimmer by the pronouns they don't go by, but it is not sexual assault for Leah, who has different parts than everyone else at that meet to be in our locker room. And so to me, that was just the most mind-blowing piece of information, but I thought I would share it because um, this new Title IX is about 700, 800 pages, so I'll spare you some reading. Not like I've done the reading, but that one little piece of it was enough for me to know that it's absolutely abysmal. I mean, that, that to me was just crazy. Um, but anyways, um, who took into account our feelings and who has taken any sort of accountability since? Um, that answer is obviously no one. And she got a guest slot at that, uh, the CPAC conference in Texas later that summer standing next to Donald Trump. By the way, the same CPAC conference that brought in as a keynote speaker noted anti-LGBTQ figure and Hungarian strongman, Viktor Orban. And Riley was also stumping for candidates and being part of their commercials, including some prominent candidate commercials, from the governor's race in Kansas to a well-known Senate race in Georgia. However, the final result, just like the result in Australia, saw Riley Gaines not winning. In fact, most of the candidates she stumped for, they got beat. A few weeks ago, the IOC clarified their framework for fairness, especially in the area of fairness. They said, quote, sports organizations elect to issue eligibility criteria for men's and women's categories for a different competition. They should do so with a view to providing confidence that no athlete within a category has an unfair and disproportionate competitive advantage, preventing risk to the physical safety of other athletes and preventing athletes from claiming a gender identity different from the one consistently and persistently used. Some see this as good, some see this as bad, only time will tell. And there's the matter of the case in Connecticut, the long drawn out case where the ADF and three cisgender girls are basically suing Connecticut's high school governing body and Connecticut's association of schools and two transgender girls that they ran against three years ago. Two weeks ago, a federal judge once again left the ADF and their clients following in a defeat. This time on the grounds that the cisgender girls did not prove conclusively or really in any way, shape, or form that they lost opportunities. There's a lot of truth to this. The two transgender girls, Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller, received no scholarship offers. 
They are not competing collegiately. Meanwhile, the three cisgender girls, Selena Soul, who's walking on at her second program in Division I in track and field, Chelsea Mitchell, who's a scholarship athlete at Division I William & Mary, and Alana Smith, who's a freshman scholarship track athlete in the Power Five at the University of Tennessee. The question has to be begged, what opportunities did they lose? And all of this stemmed in many ways from Leah Thomas, a transgender woman who had gone two years without live fire competition, went through a transition, was eligible by every metric and every rule, and seized an opportunity to compete in the sport she loved and compete in it well. And alongside another trans athlete from a different school in the same conference named Isaac Hennig, who also took his shot within the rules and is now seeking to take his shot again this time as a member of the men's swimming team at Yale. While Leah Thomas is now out of competition and forging toward another goal that she's had as a law student at Drexel University. She had said in an interview earlier this year that she was looking to go into civil rights law and she's pushing towards that goal. And I can bet she's pushing towards that goal the same way that she swam a race with all that she's got. The debate over inclusion is far from over, and who knows what twists and turns it'll take next. When its origins began in a pool at the University of Pennsylvania, continued at a pool at Harvard and at a pool at Georgia Tech, that ended up with championship and controversy. And that's our Transporter Room special look back at 2022, the year of Leah. And just a reminder to all of you, first, thank you for being part of the Transporter Room Nation in 2022. More great stuff coming in 2023. If there's something you want to see, someone you want to see, or something you want to say about what I'm doing here, leave a message at our Twitter page. Leave a message at our Facebook page. Or leave a message at our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Ford. Remember, everything I do here at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you, the people who support us. And that's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper and steady as she goes. Happy New Year, everyone. I'll catch you all next week.